From the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, this is the Tech Policy Grind podcast. Every week, our fellows chat with leaders in the technology and internet law and policy space on recent developments and exciting topics such as privacy, internet governance, cybersecurity, tech legislation, and more. I'm your host, Rima Musa, and I'm a member of the fourth cohort of Foundry Fellows. The Foundry is a collaborative organization for internet law and policy professionals who are passionate about disruptive innovation. Welcome back to the Tech Policy Grind. This week, I chatted with Joe Catapano, a Foundry Fellow and the Communications Chair for the fourth cohort of Fellows. He's also the Senior Manager for Stakeholder Engagement in North America for the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, or ICANN. He works on a host of tech policy issues related to the domain name system, interfacing with a broad-based community, including business, civil society, governments, academia, and the technical community. Hi, Joe. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you have a really interesting career, and I want to just dive right into it. What is it that got you started in this field of tech law and policy? So in 2012, I was working at the United Nations Foundation. Uh, I was working on U.S.-U.N. relations, mainly securing United States funding for the U.N. But from time to time, the U.N. itself would have special projects that the foundation would take on. So for reference, the United Nations Foundation is a nonprofit. It's separate from the U.N. itself, however, it functions kind of as the UN's best friend in a way. And so there would be certain initiatives and projects that the UN Foundation staff would work on to, uh, to help the UN. One of those in 2012 was for the International Telecommunications Union, which is actually a body that predates the United Nations itself, but uh, eventually it came under the umbrella of the UN and they're the UN's body that works on tech policy. And at the time, there was uh, a conference called uh, the, I believe it's the World Conference on International Telecommunications. And in the tech policy space, uh, we like acronyms. So it's WICIT and WCIT. And my job mainly was to communicate about the meeting itself. So the UN itself and the foundation didn't really take a position on anything. We were a bit more of, you know, communicating that the meeting's happening here, so you can engage with it and that kind of thing. Um, Nonetheless, in my work, I began following the meeting and it was very interesting. Uh, There was a lot of content in there that I knew very little about, but I found fascinating. Um, and so part of what was happening at this meeting were, there were stark differences between two different kind of camps, if you will. So you had the U S and Europe and, and other, what we would 
I guess, commonly referred to as, you know, the Western world, quote unquote, uh, advocating for maintaining the status quo, if you will, of kind of a multi-stakeholder model of internet governance. And then you had another camp um, that wanted to have more of a treaty body uh, perform a lot of the critical internet functions and bring it under the UN and have it operate in kind of a one nation, one vote type system. And the meeting got very heated and, you know, the sides basically threw up their hands and walked out of the room. And while that's um, obviously not productive, I found it dramatic and interesting. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is an interesting space to kind of watch, right? So, so I did. Um, and that's how I learned about ICANN, the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, let me let me take a look at this and just see what it's all about. As I learned more about it, I just found it really fascinating and really unique. Um, I had interactions with other multi-stakeholder initiatives at the foundation, mainly in the area of the environment and like climate. So the Rio Plus 20 conference was something that was happening at the same time I was at the foundation. And that was kind of my prototype for multi-stakeholder governance. And then when I looked at ICANN, I saw an organization and what it worked on. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really how it's done. Uh, and, and it just became um, just something that, that I really got very interested in. And it was coming time for me at the foundation to, to look to make a move. And, and as I followed ICANN, you know, I was looking at and some things and they had a they had a job uh at the time i think it was i think it was like working with the ceo's like correspondence with governments in the un and stuff like that and i thought that was interesting so i applied for it um i interviewed for it i got a couple rounds of interviews i actually interviewed with the ceo uh and i wound up not getting the job <clears throat> um and then you fast forward probably nine months later, uh, probably the fall of 2013, late summer, probably. Um, and I saw another position open up. I'd still been kind of keeping track of ICANN and, and that whole kind of multi-stakeholder, multilateral tussle that was going on. Uh, and it was a stakeholder engagement job. I didn't really know what stakeholder engagement meant, but it looked like it fit my skills. So, um, so I applied to that and I interviewed uh, and I eventually, I eventually got it and I came on board in uh, September of 2013. And that's, um, it's almost nine years ago now. It's, it's hard to believe, but, uh, but that's how I, that's how I got into uh, internet governance and tech policy and ICANN. Um, and it has been uh, quite a ride. I mean, it's unlike, really unlike any other organization I've ever worked with or or come into contact with it it's it's really interesting stuff you hit on a really interesting and important point there on the importance of perseverance and you know if you don't get your initial dream job then there's so much merit in just keeping your eye on on other opportunities that that might crop up and then 
you never know. Now, looking back nine years later, here, here you are. I want to get into your current work at ICANN a little bit. So what are you working on right now? And what are some interesting projects that you've worked on before? So, I mean, I think, you know, my, again, this kind of stakeholder engagement position is pretty unique. It's a bit of a hybrid in a way. I kind of function as a bit of a nerve center for liaising with not only externally with the stakeholders uh, in the space, in business, civil society, government, academia, and, and of course the, the technical community, but also internally and coordinating between different departments at ICANN to you know, either get the word out or support the active stakeholders that are participating in ICANN's policy development processes. So you know, that involves working with the communications department, the domains uh, and strategy department, uh, and, and um, uh, pardon me, uh, the legal department and public responsibility. So it's, you know, it's really touches kind of every part of the organization and every part of, you know, kind of the field of work that we do. Um, you know, as far as you know, what's going on right now. I mean, it's, it's a very busy time. I mean, in some ways, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, I think a lot of similar discussions are happening kind of on the, uh, intergovernmental front, right? So there are a lot of these multi-stakeholder and multilateral meetings that are happening, uh, either as we speak or also later in the fall, that'll be really important to, the future of how critical internet resources are managed, right? So there's, um, for the ITU itself, right? There's a plenipotentiary, which is in the fall, uh, the Internet Governance Forum, uh, and then later the, uh, the World Summit on the Information Society, um, WISIS Plus 20, right? So that'll be next year, that'll be 2023. Um, so there's those conversations that are happening. And then of course, you know, internally, but not internally, but more kind of narrower scope in, in terms of just ICANN itself, there's obviously a lot going on right now. We have our annual general meeting, which is coming up at the end of September, ICANN 75. Uh, so there is a lot of prep work that goes into executing an ICANN meeting and making sure that it's the best experience, not only for, you know, the stakeholders that, you know, either travel to the meeting or if they participate remotely uh, to do that, but also, um, also, you know, the, the host country itself, which uh, uh, the meeting being Kuala Lumpur uh, here in September. So there's a lot there. Uh, there are different working groups at ICANN working on a, a whole host of issues, um, including uh, areas around new generic top-level domains, right? The program that was launched in 2012, just before I got there uh, or here, and then also, um, you know, a prospective, you know, new round of, of, of those uh, in the future. So very busy time. 
I can only imagine. And so you've mentioned a couple of different meetings where there's discussions going on on different facets of internet governance. But what do these meetings look like in practice? What happens at a typical meeting? And, and maybe we can take an ICAN meeting as an example. Yeah. So, I mean, for an ICANN meeting itself, it is, you know, it, it's, we're operating obviously in a, in a pandemic environment. I, I hesitate to say post-pandemic. We are doing this Kuala Lumpur meeting will be our second uh, in-person meeting since, uh, since uh, restrictions are lifted. Um, so, you know, with ICANN, in some ways, we've always been a hybrid. I mean, there's always been a robust remote participation at ICANN meetings. Um, it is now even more so since the pandemic. I mean, we've gotten really good at that aspect of things. So you don't need to be, you know, physically uh, on the ground to participate. Obviously, there's challenges with time zone and depending on where you live and and uh, connectivity. Obviously, there's, there's always going to be challenges with that. Uh, and, and I am you know, always of the, of the mind that, that nothing can really replace kind of in-person interaction and experience, but, uh, th these resources are there, uh, and they're good. Um, there'll typically be like for, for a meeting, like the one in September, which is kind of the largest one, so the annual general meeting. So, um, it's the broadest in scope, right? It's about, a, it's almost a week. Um, in length, so there's usually kind of a welcome kind of ceremony with, um, with uh, you know, the big dignitaries and others, and you know, there'll be some speeches on you know the issues that are going to be covered at the meeting. Um, I, it's unclear to me if that that did not happen in the last meeting that was just hybrid, and it's unclear if it's going to happen in this one because of the pandemic and having people, you know, there's restrictions on who can be in the room, etc. But um, but it would typically start with some kind of curtain raiser like that. And then the different working groups at ICANN begin, you know, kind of break off and begin discussing policies in their different constituencies and, um, and, and then obviously feed in remote participation for all of those. There's a, uh, there's typically a day set out during the meeting where each constituency from those sectors that I mentioned before, uh, like business, civil society, government, et cetera, meet with the ICAMP board. Um, so there'll be that, there'll be different engagement events and things around it. Again, less so uh, during the pandemic, um, but in pre-pandemic days, uh, there would be there would be quite a bit of that. Um, and then eventually, like in September, at the end, uh, the, there'll be a public board meeting where the board will, you know, vote on resolutions and such. So that that's kind of the flow of it. Um, but you know, the kind of interesting thing about ICANN and a lot of these internet governance bodies is a lot of it happens not at the meeting itself, right? So there's a lot of conference calls and work on email lists, and um, you know, it, it, it's a it's a 24 seven thing, right? So that, that it's, it's really, it takes a lot of dedication to be, you know, part of this ecosystem and, and, and develop policy here. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, that gives you just kind of a little snapshot.
We'll be right back. The Internet Law and Policy Foundry's 2022 Policy Hackathon is the Foundry's third Policy Hackathon, happening this October 14 through 16. The Policy Hackathon is a three-day event that brings together creative technical and policy professionals from around the world to tackle emerging and long-standing problems related to the intersection of law, policy, and technology. The theme of this year's hackathon is privacy, trust, and safety in the metaverse. Additionally, the Foundry is holding a writing competition and a series of virtual events about all things metaverse. For more information about the hackathon, the writing competition, and other hackathon-related events, you can visit the Foundry's website, ilpfoundry.us, or our social media pages. So I want to shift gears a bit and ask about the IANA transition. So what is it and what did your work on that project entail? Yeah, so the, uh, well, first off, IANA is uh, another acronym uh, and that stands for uh, the Internet Assigned Numbers Authority. And that is the largest project that that I've worked on since I've been at ICANN and is sort of widely recognized as the kind of seminal moment for multi-stakeholder internet governance. Um, it was something that was envisioned really since ICANN's founding in 1998. Um, and, you know, it took a long time to get there, but basically, so I came in, I came to ICANN in uh, the fall of 2013. And then I think about six months later, maybe a little less, the, uh, the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, or NTIA, which is an agency within the Department of Commerce, uh, declared that they were uh, going to ask that the what they call the IANA functions, which are basically the 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 resource of the names and the numbers, um, that the stewardship over that be transferred from the U.S. government to the global multi-stakeholder community, and they asked ICANN to be the convener of the process to kind of shepherd that through and come up with the kind of framework with, uh, for what would replace, you know, NTIA in that role. And so, you know, when we talk about kind of stewardship over the functions, right? So, so ICANN, you know, IANA is, you know, a department of ICANN, right? And so when ICANN was formed, we were, you know, tasked to, to maintain those, um, you know, functions, but the US government kind of maintained a, I guess, kind of a, a, a oversight role of sorts in, in that 
if there were changes to the root zone, the ICANN before they went to the company that is the root zone operator, which is VeriSign, they would go to the U.S. government and the U.S. government in the form of NDIA and they would okay that, right? And so it was seen kind of globally as, you know, it, it was kind of the last tether of kind of what people would see as U.S. kind of control over the internet, right? And I think it was, um, you know, causing a lot of, I think, of misperception that the U.S. kind of still controlled the internet. So I think it was, it was very important, not only from an optics wise, but also to prove the, you know, the worth of multi-stakeholder internet governance and, and prove that it worked, right? So, um, so what this was, would it would take kind of NTIA out of that role and then replace it with, you know, kind of a, a, a the multi-stakeholder community and, and accountability mechanisms um, for ICANN, the organization, right? And so my role in that was a lot of strategic planning, awareness raising, uh, and education, communications, uh, because a lot of people didn't know that ICANN existed. Um, again, like as I said at the top of the show, I didn't even know it existed, right? So a little bit of what like we would term as kind of bringing ICANN to the world and saying, hey, here we are, here's the important function that we serve. And there's, you know, this is happening and, you know, here's how you can be involved. Um, so a little bit of that, uh, a lot of supporting the community of stakeholders that were already involved uh, at ICANN who had been involved for, you know, decades already and making sure that they were supported in the work, right? Because ICANN, the organization, we function mainly as, as a secretariat, right? I mean, the community of stakeholders are who, you know, sets the policy, right? Um, and then obviously the board, you know, has the authority, <clears throat> you know, as far as ratifying that's concerned. But, you know, our function is to is in support of the community, right? So it's a little bit of, you know, kind of supporting them and while at the same time doing some awareness raising and education uh, about this whole internet governance thing, which was very new to a lot of people in 2013. And now, obviously, in my region, you know, I'm tasked with the U.S. and Canada in North America, right? So a lot of my stakeholders knew about ICANN and were involved, but a lot of my colleagues in the other regions, their governments uh, and other stakeholders just you know, didn't know at all. Right. And so a lot of kind of talking, I had, you know, colleagues on the, the other members of the engagement team working with their, you know, governments and saying, you know, there's a place for you at the table at ICANN, right. Uh, in the form of, we have something called the government advisory committee where there's governments. And there was just, we saw just a, a very uh, high ramp up of participation in that area. We're now up to over 170 uh, governments participating in the government advisory committee and, and over 30 observers. So, um, you know, there was a lot of 
a lot of that kind of work of, of, you know, in some ways selling the model and, and proving that, that, you know, this, the internet has worked, it's worked very well. And this is part of the reason why. Um, and, you know, obviously there was in my being in DC, right. There was a heavy kind of Washington component to the whole thing. And so going around to universities and technical organizations and think tanks, <clears throat> pardon me, and doing roundtables and, and things of that nature um, to really kind of build the case for multi-stakeholder internet governance and really, you know, kind of let the community shine a little bit. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was a lot of work. I mean, it's two years. I mean, the transition didn't go through. Uh, the, like I said, the, the Commerce Department initiated it in 20, I think it was March of 2014, if I remember correctly. And it wasn't completed until October 1st of 2016. So, so it was a long campaign, but, um, but well worth it. So how is that model shaping up now? And what are some of the challenges faced contemporarily in continuing the, the work of IANA? I think what we're seeing now is, is very similar to what we saw a, a decade ago, only with a bit of a, a bit of a twist. I mean, you're still seeing, even despite the success of the IANA transition and the success of the multi-stakeholder model, you're still seeing <clears throat> corners of the world where, um, you know, there, there are nations that have just very different ideas about how the internet should be governed, right? And those are um, trying to figure out you know, I think, I think countries sometimes struggle to find where they fit in internet governance. Um, and there's a place for them at ICANN, right? In the government advisory committee. And that's something we continually try and, um, you know, uh, impress upon people, but there is, you know, always going to be, um, a bit of a, a, a bit of a tussle and a bit of, uh, you know, folks who would like to see more of a UN type governance model, a multilateral type model. Um, and so that's still present. I think that's something that, that, you know, just continually comes up. I think we're also now, you know, 2022 is, is way different than 2014 in the sense of kind of rising nationalism and, you know, where does the internet fit into that, right? At ICANN, you know, our thing is a single, stable, secure, and interoperable internet, right? But um, as you layer in kind of other things, things that really don't touch on ICANN's remit, like content and, um, and then some other th elements of you know, privacy and things like that, you see kind of a more nationalistic tinge to what a lot of, uh, you know, countries are doing. And that is creating some, that's, that's creating some challenges for, you know, for the community. So digging into a little bit more about you, what are you reading or listening to right now? 
the Ramones. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, I mean, I think, you know, in all seriousness, I mean, from a tech policy perspective, I think I listen to the Sunday show by tech policy press a lot. Um, I think that's, that's good. Also, there's one, uh, from a think tank in DC, uh, called the innovation files, which is pretty good. And then obviously the tech policy grind, but, um, and then kind of, uh, you know, outside of tech policy, just, just kind of broader, um, things. I listen to, uh, the lost debate a lot, which is a, uh, podcast, which, is, I mean, it's like a, it's a, there's a Democrat, there's a libertarian, and then there's, I guess, kind of a conservative in there. And so it's, it's, it's a, it's like a, it's a nice podcast that talks about contemporary issues without like kind of the nonsense of like a, you know, of a cable news show where like everybody yelling at each other, like they, you know, seem to be civil. And, um, you know, I like things that challenge your thinking, right? I, I, I enjoy you know, I, I might not agree with someone when, when I'm, you know, listening to them or reading what they say, but um, if they're, you know, saying it in an intelligent way um, and communicating it effectively, then, uh, you know, I, I want to hear that because I think that, I think that's helpful. Um, in terms of what I'm reading, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's August in DC. I think the heat index is like almost 100 degrees now today. So, uh, so most of my reading is uh, is pretty light right now. So I'm reading. Uh, I'm a big uh, you know, baseball nut. So I'm uh, reading the biography of Tom Seaver, the the great uh, pitcher for the Mets. Um, and then I'm also reading a book that is quite long. It's longer than I thought it was going to be. But uh, it's called Tinderbox. It's about the history of HBO. Um, and I've always had kind of a just fascination with with media in general and the, and the development of, of media, be it radio, TV, or film. Um, in terms of if, if anybody's listening who's not, um, uh, who's kind of looking for fodder for, you know, kind of tech politics, uh, tech policy or internet governance, I think um, uh, I'll give uh, a couple pops for uh, Professor uh, Laura Denardis's books. Uh, they're, they're several years old now, but they're still really relevant. Uh, internet and everything and protocol politics were, uh, those are really important um, resources for me when I first started here, because again, I didn't really know which way was up when I, I got to ICANN. And so it's a, you know, it's a steep kind of learning curve. It takes, it takes a while, but, um, but it's worth it. So you have an eight-year-old. How does your son impact your sort of drive and, uh, and motivation to um, help govern the internet? Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting, right? So, so I will always remember that my first day at ICANN was September 16th of 2013. And there's no reason why I would remember my first day at any other company or this one, other than the fact that on September 22nd, 2013, my son was born. So it was like, got hired, came to the office, got settled, and then to my boss and I was like, oh, see you in a month. <laughs> so, um, you know, so uh, so it's it's kind of interesting. Like my ICANN, uh, my time at ICANN is, is very strongly tied to 
uh, to my son and kind of his development and all my colleagues remember him, you know, kind of running around the office when he was, when he was really little. Um, so it's kind of interesting, you know, it, it, it's tough, uh, to do tech policy and internet governance and I can work as a parent. I will say that, you know, it's not easy, right? So there's a lot of travel when things are not, uh, you know, in, when we're not in a pandemic, right? Um, and some of that has started, you know, our, we've started some travel at ICANN now, certainly not on the level that, um, that it was back in 2019. But, um, but eventually, hopefully it will, you know, get back to where it was because it's important work. Uh, so there's a lot of travel. There's calls at bizarre hours sometimes, right? I mean, it is a global thing, right? The internet's a global resource. So there's, there's always, you know, uh, you know, a call you got to be on. But, um, so it's a lot about kind of man managing your day and, uh, you know, making sure you build in kind of not only breaks for yourself, but also build in, you know, kind of that, that family time. Um, you know, I came meetings, I came public meetings, like we talked about, right. There's, uh, there's a, they're long days. Um, and I think that holds true for other internet governance meetings, uh, be it the IGF or anything else. Um, and you know, it's, but it's important because, you know, I mean, the internet is, is just vital. I mean, to, it's vital to my life. Right. And I, and, and I'm 40 and he's eight. Right. So if it's so vital to me, imagine how important it's going to be for him as advances come along. Right. I mean, I can't, you know, it's interesting. We were driving from the, um, I think we we're coming back from the zoo or something. And, uh, and, you know, I put my phone up, mounted it on, put the, you know, put the map on and, uh, and it was, it wasn't working, right? There wasn't like service. And I kind of knew the roads a little bit, but he was like, oh, what do we do? And I was like, well, and I, and I had to go through the story of like, you know, we didn't always have that, right? But, you know, for him, it's like, those things are just like built in, right? And there's going to be even more innovation. So it's important that, you know, we, you know, that I, you know, it's kind of a, you know, that I, you know, show up and help, you know, you know, this community, you know, do their work and, uh, and help, you know, maintain, uh, maintain a, a single global internet that, that thrives. Absolutely. Do you have any advice for parents who are in the field of tech policy and sort of um, maintaining that family life and commitment to to the work with all its all its chaos and crazy schedules. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I would just say, you know. like family first type thing, right? Make sure you, you take care of your relationships at home, be it with your son and daughter, your spouse, your grandparents or whomever, you know, make sure that, that in the, 
in the you know inclination to sign up for a meeting or go travel to this thing or take this call or take that meeting that you you know just keep in mind that you know it the work's always going to be there <laughs> right and but but those moments you know you know with with your family particularly if you have a little kid um you know they're 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 fleeting in a way so so make sure that that you prioritize them and prioritize that because um you know meetings will come and go and you'll you know win some battles and you lose some battles you know kind of career-wise and professionally but um you know but but your family's always always going to be there and you want to make sure that you're there for them too So before we wrap up, I want to get into our event coming up next week with uh, Vince Cerf and Steve Crocker that I'm thrilled uh, that we'll be, we'll be co-moderating. So do you want to give the audience a little preview of what to expect with our next podcast episode and, uh, and some highlights of what you anticipate from the conversation yeah so i mean it's it's really exciting and i'm really excited to to be uh hosting it with you uh in washington uh just a block away from the white house uh at WeWork white house um it's really great i mean i've known uh vin and steve for quite some time um they're both past chairs of uh, the icam board um and I worked with both of them a lot during the transition days. I mean, uh, Steve was chair of the ICANN board during, um, during those years. Uh, and Vint, uh, who is still at Google, um, was, was there in that capacity as well then. Um, and, you know, I've just always wanted to have an hour to just sit and talk to them. Um, and I've... Uh, obviously seen them at ICANN meetings or in Vince case at regional internet registry meetings, um, you know, but it's always like, you know, there's always a lot of a lot going on. Right. So to just have a dedicated, you know, 60 minutes to just talk to them about, you know, first off, I, I mean, their kind of relationship is fascinating, right? Cause they're childhood friends um, that, you know, worked on, uh, you know, this thing together and then it blossomed into, into what it is now. So kind of a look at, you know, what, what was going through your head then, you know, like how was, how was all, how did all this come about? And then a little bit of a retrospective, right? So here we are, right. In 1969, right. Uh, ARPANET. And now here we are in 2022, you know, take a look at that. And, and, and what do you think, you know, like, like just, what do you see? What, what, what parts of your vision were fulfilled and, and what maybe is, is still, you know, not quite there yet. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the challenges? Um, and, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's just really, it's going to be a real, real treat to just have, um, have those two guys and just be able to, uh, to connect them with, uh, other folks at the foundry, um, and then, and then obviously others, you know, in the community, because, um, there's just so much to learn, uh, from, from both of them. They're, they're just brilliant people. 
I can't wait. I think it'll be a really fascinating conversation to hear from from their perspectives and uh, ample experience in pioneering the internet. So I'm very excited. And for anyone tuning in, uh, make sure that you either tune into the live stream, uh, which will be happening at 4 p.m. Eastern time next week on August 18th, uh, a week from today. And if you're in D.C., consider popping by. We have uh, an Eventbrite link where you can sign up. So all of that info will be in the show notes. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much, Rima. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tech Policy Grind podcast. Be sure to check out The Foundry on LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and give us a five-star rating. It really helps out the show. If you're interested in supporting the show, reach out to us at foundrypodcasts at ilpfoundry.us. You can find our email in the show notes as well. You can see the full show notes and download the episode transcript for every episode on our website, ilpfoundry.us slash podcast. The Tech Policy Grind podcast comes out every Thursday. See you next time. The Tech Policy Grind podcast was created by the fellows at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry. It's produced and edited by me, Rima Musa, with support from the incredible Foundry fellows. Special thanks to Lama Muhammad, our social coordinator, and Allison McReynolds, our accessibility coordinator, for their support in bringing this episode to air.